and they come to me and they're still completely anxious because now they're in a brand new place with brand new strangers, right? So it's it's already threatening. But they've also been put in the same carrier and in the same car. And so their initial experience on the way to this terrible thing that happened to them is happening again. Welcome into the Perfect Your Practice podcast. I'm Dr. Natalie Marks, and this is a community where we give bite-sized and snackable information on how to elevate all of your feline medicine and patients, clients, and your teams. Back with us, one of my favorite feline experts, Dr. Elizabeth Colloran. She's a boarded feline specialist and a cat-friendly practice consultant. It's so great to have you back with us. Thanks so much for inviting me. Of course. We're having a, a really interesting discussion today surrounding, really, we're not going to talk much about our patients, but mostly about the people that are bringing in those cat carriers, our cat parents, those cat clients that are part of our medical team because they're our medical advocates at home. And we have a lot to discuss because um, it's really important, I think, for a lot of us, especially those of you that are listening that are in mixed small animal practice, right? You see the other species as well. Um, but for us to understand that feline parents have very specific needs that often when we're in a mixed practice, we sort of all lump into one and generalize. And so starting off, be, being a, a boarded specialist in this area, what do cat parents want when they're seeking out a veterinary hospital and a veterinary team? One of the f most important things is they want to be heard. You know, creating relationships is the real asset that we have in practice. It's the foundation that gives us the opportunity to practice great medicine. So what they want is they want a relationship with us. They don't want the expert whisking into the room in the white coat telling them what to do. What they want to do is be heard. They want to ask questions. They want to get feedback. And then they want to be contacted. Text and email makes that a lot easier now than it used to be, but they want us to get involved, and they'll stay for as long as, as they feel heard and needed. What are some tips that you can give, especially some of the younger practitioners out there, um, for how you address clients in the room? How do you interact with them to give them that validation that you are hearing what they're saying? One of the most important parts of relationship building is being the only person in the room. So when, while the cat is acclimating to the room, I'll walk in and either introduce myself or, or reestablish our connection, and we'll just talk quietly together about whatever they want to talk about, whether it's their cat or their kids. Um, we're just there to create the foundational relationship. And so I go in alone at the beginning because I think that's a really important time to get started. I love that tip. Um, I also, in, from my years in practice, one of the things that I think has been very helpful is to actively repeat some of the concerns that the client has to make sure that you heard them correctly, um, mm -hmm. but also to make sure that the client knows that you did hear them. Yeah. And so um, besides what you're doing, I think it's, um, I always, when I'm taking a history, I like to say, so just so that I understand correctly, these are right. our biggest concerns today. And sometimes that even triggers more that they forgot to tell you, right? Um, right. So 
The, the thing that we've learned in human medicine about communication is that ac- asking open questions is a powerful way to get information. So don't say, is your cat coughing, sneezing, vomiting, or has diarrhea, right? You say, so tell me about why you're here today. And give them the opportunity to tell the story, because at the end of that story, you will get, in just a few minutes, almost all the information you need to be, begin to think about what you're going to do next. I'm so glad you bring that up because I think one of the most um, unfortunately detrimental yes or no questions that we're asking today is, is your cat indoor only? <laughs> right? <laughs> we know there are very few strictly indoor cats that are really out there. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and clients will, will say, oh, yes, she's inside only except out on the patio, you know, <laughs> right. and that's not really outside in their mind, you know, right. it, it, that happens all the time. And then some of them you know, they, they bring their cat in and they'll say, oh, yes, she's going to absolutely be an indoor-only cat. Well, I had my own cat decide not to be an indoor-only cat, and he just foiled every effort I made. And so some of them just will not stay indoors, and we just have to be cognizant of that. It's such a funny question, though. It really is. It really is. So these parents, they they want and they deserve to be heard and, and build that relationship of trust and um, active listening and certainly having those open-ended questions. I'm going to ask a little bit different way, though, because I think there is a difference here in what cat parents, though, actually need from us. And the way I'll kind of start that off is I think there, during the pandemic, we we saw, of course, an explosion of adoptions, but quite a few first-time pet parents who I think fell under the myth, right, that umbrella of oh, I'm I'm lonely, I'm sad, this is really hard to isolate, I'm going to get a very, quote-unquote, easy pet, right? (laughs) A cat where I just throw down a litter box and some food each week and and that's it. Really not understanding the the emotional needs, the enrichment needs, and certainly the disease risks of those cats. So what, as a veterinary team, what do we need to provide to these cat parents so that they're informed and educated and to do the best at home? Everybody spends so much time online now. I think we need to direct them to places where there's really good information. Like there are websites that I rely upon to send home with my clients that get get to the really interesting parts of what it means to live a good life as a cat. What it means to be a cat is very different than what it means to be a dog or a human. They have very, very different needs. And so, so there are some really great resources out there. We all are on a schedule, right? We don't have an hour to teach them who they're living with. People <laughs> love their cats. They just don't know anything about them. So we need to direct them to places where they are interactive ways that they can find out who they're living with. Do you have some suggestions for our listeners? The Ohio State one, Dr. Tony Buffington's website, oh, the Indoor Cat Initiative. Yes, the Indoor Cat Initiative. I couldn't remember the word. And that one is a terrific one because it gets updated regularly. Um, there are some others d- that are more related to certain conditions and diseases and so on. But I would always start there. It's wonderful. I use that all the time. I totally agree with you. Um, you mentioned this the notion of online. And certainly we know everybody is on their phone or texting, emailing, searching. And I think that's really important because we don't want our pet parents also going to sources that are inaccurate, right? And doing that information. Um, I know you're, if everyone could see Dr. Collar, it's sort of shuddering here. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like you've, you've experienced oh, this. I have. And, and I have people who I'll tell them something and they, 
they hear it one way and interpret it a different way, and then they go online and they get all this kind of crazy information, and they bring me three inches of printed printouts about what they think I should do next, and I'm like, you know, I really don't want them to go to vet school, and I don't want them to go to a crazy vet school like with terrible information, and there's so much of it out of there. So mostly, we just need to guide them. You know, we give them the resources they need, you know, hand them a piece of paper with a website on it or text it to them or email it or whatever, but give them a way to get to the right stuff. I mean, it truly is a lot of fun to watch cat videos on YouTube, but that doesn't cut it. <laughs> I agree with you. It's a nice thing to do when you're uh, waiting for a bus or something yeah, like that, right? But for certainly for education, let's, let's be proactive in our guidance. I think the other thing that I would add to um, our cat parents of today that maybe are inexperienced or new is assessment of feline body language and right. And what their cat is telling them through the movement of their ears and tail and body position and, and eye dilation and things like that. Um, what do you do for, for clients and your teammates, right? That might be newer to the hospital to guide them on how to really understand what a cat is showing us. There are some really good websites about that. There are also some great books for people who still actually read books. Imagine <laughs> that. Um, there's a, a book called The Trainable Cat, which is by a uh, behaviorist out of the UK. It's just a really terrific book, and it has all of that in it. John Bradshaw is an ethologist. He's written extensively on ear position and eye position and how to understand what your cat's saying to you. Because one of the things people don't get is that the reason cats talk to us is because we don't know how to, how to hear them. They, the only reason, they don't talk to each other. They only talk to us because they get so frustrated with the fact that we can't figure out what they want, right? And so the, the, the really important thing is to get the body language. And, and, and if you don't know what the body language means, take a little video. Show me. I'll tell you what it means. And, and, that, and our staff members are all trained to that. They don't have to just come to me. Everybody knows what ear position is. And, and so you have to make sure your staff is all up to date on that stuff too. Yeah, I would strongly encourage having a meeting and guidance for all team members in a hospital, especially if it's a mixed practice where you may be a little more inexperienced at reading cat body language because it will make your exams so much more efficient, so much more gentle, less stressful, and certainly allow you to understand when a cat's fear or stress or um, generalized anxiety is escalating and we need to postpone. Stop. Yes. <laughs> Just stop, change positions, change our technique, change our plan, or postpone for another day. Yeah, finish up later sometimes is really, a, it's really worth doing. One of the things cats have is a really long memory. So when they have a bad experience, they haven't. They don't forget that, and they extrapolate too. I mean, I have a lot of clients or patients that get fired from other practices because they behave so badly, and they come to me, and they're still completely anxious because now they're in a brand new place with brand new strangers, right? So it's it's already threatening, but they've also been put in the same carrier and in the same car, and so their initial experience on the way to this terrible thing that happened to them is happening again. Yeah. Well, we've only got a few minutes left. I think we could talk for hours on this oh, topic, absolutely. right? But I think the last thing I want to ask you, which is really crucial to us because we know that the most important thing for us to have when those cats are finishing the exam is the feeling from that cat family that I want to come back, 
right? I want to have a lifetime journey of care with this hospital. And I understand that it's not one and done for a lot of these cats, right? right? And they don't get their kitten boosters and we never see them again. And we know from AAFP guidelines that as these cats age, we want to see them, you know, every six months and certainly for our geriatrics every four months. So what are some things that your practice does to encourage cat parents, not only to have that uh, emotional tie that they want to come back, but to also understand just from an education perspective, how important it is for them to have that annual or semi-annual contact with us. I do what my dentist does. We all schedule the next exam before they leave the building to the extent that we can. Some people absolutely won't, but we always tell them, this just means we're going to remind you because you know how hard time is to remember that we'll be reminding you at the time when you're due. You can always change the the day or the time of the day, but at least you're going to get a reminder that says it's time for us to see him again. So I just took a page out of my dentist. I love that. I do that too. And I think forward booking is wonderful, not just for the wellness exams, but helps with rechecks or blood work monitoring for chronic disease management or a nutritional assessment or whatever it is. We we just want to make sure that they know their next step, right? Right. And, and sometimes clients have questions beyond the scope of or time of the exam. And it's really great to say, look, I totally get it that you really have a lot of questions about what it means to feed your cat and how you think you, that your cat should be fed. I can't do that right now, but my technician can. And let's set that up before you leave so that we can get all your nutrition questions answered. And empower the whole team, right? Amen. That's right. Lots today that we're talked, we just talked about in regards to our cat parents and what they want, what they need, and how we can keep them coming back. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Colleran. You're thank always you so wonderful to join us with really practical and incredibly essential knowledge to help us elevate our feline medicine and practice. Again, this has been the Perfect Your Practice podcast, sponsored by Zoetis, partnered and powered by AAFP. I'm Dr. Natalie Marks. We'll see you next time.